0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is risen. Christos and Esty. El Masia Christos Vos Cresi. Christos, Christos, Christos Aenviat. I'm gonna take you in the Wayback Machine. I'll go back to the 1960s. When the Beatles sang, Ooh, I need your love, babe, eight days a week. Eight days a week, I love you. Eight days a week is not enough to show that I care. Ain't got nothing but love, babe, eight days a week. I'm getting some laughs from the people older than me (laughs) who remember hearing this on the radio. I've just heard it on a CD. Eight days a week was important to the Beatles to show their love to their beloved, whoever that was. In the church, in the church, Sunday is the first day of the week and the eighth day of the week. And the season of Pascha is the first of feasts. It is the feast of feasts, the festival of festivals, the season of seasons. It is the first day of the resurrection. It is also the first day of the eighth day of the last day, which has no end. (laughs) I've got a child over here going, I don't know what he just said. (laughs) It's the first day of the eighth day of the last day, which has no end. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? (laughs) The Lord's Day in Greek, Kyriaki, is the name for Sunday. And the Feast of the Resurrection is so central to our lives that we celebrate it every single Sunday, even when we're in the midst of Great Lent, even when we're in the midst of great repentance and sobriety, we still celebrate the Lord's Resurrection. In parish practice, we wear dark vestments on Sundays during Lent. But in monastic practice, they wear dark vestments all through the week, because they're all there at church to see them, and then on Saturday and Sunday they wear bright vestments in honor of the Resurrection. In parish practice, If we wore bright vestments all through Lent, most people wouldn't see the dark vestments during the week because, unfortunately, most people don't come to all the services during the week. Okay, So we celebrate the resurrection every single week, and every single Sunday is the first day and it is the last day. And when we come to church and when we hear, Blessed is the kingdom, we are entering into a new time zone. We are entering into God's time. We are leaving we we are leaving the chronos time of our world where the clock just ticks 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 and we are entering into a timeless time zone in which the church praises God forever forever. It is the first day because it is the day in which the Lord appeared to the disciples, the day of his resurrection. It is also the eighth day. Because the resurrected Christ knows no end. And life with the resurrected Christ knows no darkness, knows no ending, knows no evening. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 5, St. John says, And night shall be no more. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they shall reign forever." And ever There shall be no darkness. There shall be no evening in the day which is to come when the Lord comes again in glory. Why is this important? Why is this important? Why should we live our lives on the first day and the eighth day? Especially on the eighth day. Because in the Orthodox Church... We're always pointed towards an end. Theologically, it's called the telos, or the telios. Father Schmemann writes about this a lot in his writings. We always have a purpose, we always have an end. To use some math terms, our life is a vector. It's a vector, okay? It has movement and direction. We aren't just here to absorb as much fun and money as we possibly can and then die. That's kind of stupid when you put it that way, right? We're here to worship the living God and to draw near to Him and dwell in union and communion with Him for all eternity and beyond eternity. This is what I call the theology of Buzz Lightyear. Right? St. Maximus the Confessor says that God is infinite, but He is beyond infinite. Buzz Lightyear says, to infinity and beyond. The only thing beyond infinity is God Himself. And we are to dwell with God, not just for 50 years, not just for 100 years, not for 1,000 years, but beyond eternity. We can't even fathom this. When somebody has their 50th wedding anniversary, we think it's fantastic. Especially for people to be married to each other for 50 years. And not just married to other people for 50 years. Right? It's a great celebration. 50 years is nothing compared to what we have promised with God. When we live in the 8th day, our life should change. We should live our life in the light of the resurrected Christ. We should live our life outside of the darkness that we have left behind. We don't want to live our life in the tomb, captive by Hades, right? We want to live our life when we come out of that baptismal water. We say we have died with Christ and we have risen with Christ and too many times we run back into the depths of the tomb, away from the risen Christ. We want to live in the light. And if we live in the light, then our whole life will change. Our risen Lord, who has a real body, but has a resurrected body, passed through the locked doors into the room where the disciples were. And He gave them peace. When we pass through the door into the rooms of our schools, our workplaces, our friends' houses, are we bringing with us peace? Are we bringing with us God's peace to share with everybody? Or are we bringing darkness and corruption? If it's the former, great, you're living in the eighth day. If it's the latter, we need to repent you're not quite in the eighth day when I was in high school I went on a senior retreat I went to a Catholic high school and there was a four-day senior retreat called Kairos and the slogan of this retreat was to live the fourth live the fourth day the fourth day is when you go home from the retreat and you take everything that you've learned and experienced and you share it with your friends family neighbors And you live that fourth day for the rest of your life. And that's really good, and it was really helpful for high school students. But in the church, we want to live the eighth day. We want to live the eighth day. Because we don't want to be conformed to this world, but as St. Paul says, we want to be transformed by the renewal of our noose. Not just mind, the English word doesn't give it justice. Our noose, our heart, the eyes of our heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And if we see that resurrected Christ, and if we receive His peace, and live in that peace and that joy and that light and that glory of the resurrection, then we can live in the eighth day and we will have something to say and something to show to those around us. Because Three different times in the scripture readings this morning we have heard that we are sent to go and tell the words of eternal life. In the Matins Gospel, it's Matthew 28, the Great Commission. When Christ ascends, He says, "...Go forth into all the world and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded." That's also how we live in the eighth day. We observe what God has commanded us. And he says, Lo, I am with you always. He says to go. In the epistle reading from the fifth chapter of Acts, the angel frees the apostles from the prison and says, Go stand in the temple and tell, them, tell the people all the words of this life. Not the worldly life, the heavenly life, the resurrected life, the Christ Christ. Life, the life of the God man. And then in the gospel reading from John, what we have here is the end of the gospel reading from Agape Vespers. Has anybody ever wondered why the gospel reading in Agape Vespers is so short and kind of gets cut off? Right? And Thomas just says, like, I'm not gonna believe, and then that's it? That's because it's the first day. <laughs> It's the first day. We read the gospel at Agape Vespers. On day one, we end with Thomas's disbelief. And then we come back today and we hear the full story. The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. And we hear Thomas say, Oh, now I believe. And he doesn't just say, oh, I'm convinced, you guys were right, okay. No, he utters one of the greatest confessions that anyone can ever utter. My Lord and my God. But before he does that, Christ breathes on the apostles and gives them the Holy Spirit and says, my peace I give to you. Saint Nikolai of Zetra says he gives them peace. This piece, this is for the apostles. Then at Pentecost, he sends the Holy Spirit again in a fuller manner, and that peace is to go from the apostles to the world, to overflow. But he breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. What is he sending us To do to preach the words of eternal life he's sending us to observe all of his commandments he's sending us to be light and life and joy and peace to those around us to live in the eighth day the resurrected day the life of Christ a lot of this might sound heavily theological and abstract and not helpful But the fact of the matter is, on this day, there are a few things that we need to remember. Number one, living in the eighth day means living with a purpose and always pointed with an end towards the life of the world to come. We say it in the Creed, I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We have to live with that in mind and we make our choices accordingly. When we think about the life of the world to come, some things in this life lose their importance. We stop bickering about some things that are not as important. We let bygones be bygones because we simply don't have time to care, because we are focused on the one thing needful, the kingdom of heaven. Number two, so living in the eighth day means living with the purpose. And number two, living in the eighth day in the light of the resurrection means that we're full of joy and peace and light and life and we have some love and grace to share with others. It is an evangelical calling to live in the eighth day. We all want the rewards and we don't want to do the work, right? This is the story of every parish everywhere. Everybody wants coffee hour and nobody wants to clean up. Right? This is is the human story. We want the reward of the eighth day, but we don't want to do the work. But the fact of the matter is we work on ourselves and then we share the blessings with our neighbors. We're more than happy to tell people that there's a a sale at the used car dealership down the street and they can get a good deal on a Toyota, but why are we so hesitant to tell them about our Lord and our God who has raised us from the depths of hell? We have an evangelical calling when we live in the eighth day. And our life has to reflect that. And finally, we have to live as if Jesus is our Lord and our God. We have to put away the idols. We have to put away the idolatry. And we have to step aside and leave behind the passions that hold us back. That's what we've been doing through Lent. And so living in the eighth day doesn't mean, Okay, Lent is over, now I can just go at it and overindulge in everything as I did before Lent and leave behind the progress that I made. That's not what we do. That's not how we feast. When we feast, we change our food, maybe. But we don't change our self-control. We have to live as if Jesus is my Lord and my God. And we have to have that utterance in our mind, and in our heart, and in our bones. I had a teacher in seminary say there are two kinds of atheists. Those who profess with their lips that they don't believe in God, and then those who profess with their lips that they do believe in God, but live as if there is no God. And when we live in the eighth day, in the light of Christ's resurrection, we have to live the life, we have to... Uh, let the rubber meet the road, put our money where our mouth is, insert your favorite cliche here. We have to let our works and our life show that God is our Lord. We have to fit our life into the church and not fit the church into our life. And really take inventory about where our priorities are. Brothers and sisters, Brothers and sisters, this is so important to understand the first and the eighth day. This is why we gather at church every Sunday. This is why it has to be so important in our lives. We are moving in a direction that is out of this world and into the heavenly kingdom. And when we gather for liturgy, we step into that momentarily and then we step back. And we're always fighting and grasping to hold on to that little glimpse of eternity. But when you get it, hold on tight. Hold on tight. And make make your Lord and God to be the true Lord and God. Let us set aside All the childish things, as St. Paul says, when I was a child, I thought as a child, and I acted like a child. But now that I'm grown up, I set aside the childish things. Spiritually speaking, I hope that we've all grown up during Lent. And now that we're in the paschal season, let us not revert back to our sinful, childish habits, so to speak. But let us progress on that vector. Let us stay on that rocket ship pointed towards the kingdom of heaven and let us live our lives in the light of the resurrection and let the light of the resurrection shine through our lives as we live in the eighth day and look forward to the day without end. And which we, together with all the saints, will praise and glorify the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Christ is is risen.